Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Welcome to the show, everyone. As you know, this is our month. This is the month we are celebrating the 21st anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And you know, friends of mine, Marka Bristow, different people have told me that we should get these school, you know, these uh, shows, which are all archived for the past eight years that I've been on the air, that we should get them into schools so that our students could start learning history of our own disability community. And let me tell you, wait till you hear this show. Wait till you hear this show, because I am so honored to have, as far as I'm concerned, the leader in Washington, D.C., for all of us in the disability community, and I can truthfully tell you, he has put his heart and his soul into fighting for all of us. He is a great man, and it is my honor to have as our guest today, Senator Tom Harkin. Welcome to the show. Well, Joyce, it's great to be back with you again, and uh, again, thank you for all the years that you have been leading our efforts to get uh, better accessibility and jobs, especially for people with disabilities. Uh, uh, your Bender Consulting Services uh, now is nationwide. Uh, uh, I'm told you're even in Canada, too. I didn't know that. But uh, but what you've done to help uh, fulfill the uh, promise of the Americans with Disabilities Act has just been superb. And I, uh, I'm just, uh, I stand in awe of all that you have accomplished in, in helping people get jobs and training and all the things they need to uh, to lead independent uh, and meaningful lives. So thanks. It's an honor to be with you. Well, thank you. This is just another example of the greatness of Senator Harkin, such a humble person he is, because trust me, I have done very little, pale in comparison to all the things he has done. As a matter of fact, I never told him this, but way back, way back at the 10th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act, I saw this senator come in. I think it was the Dread of Gale. I saw him walking in and all these people going around talking to him. And I thought, oh, that's Senator Harkin. If I could just say hello to him, which I did get to, because I know if it weren't for you, there wouldn't be an Americans with Disabilities Act. So I just want you to know, as a woman living with epilepsy, and in behalf of all the thousands and thousands of people listening to this show, let me say it once and for all, 
Senator Harkin, we love you. Well, Joyce, I, you're more than kind. You're more uh, overly generous. Uh, I just, uh, I think I stand, uh, I just happen to be in the right place uh, at the right time. I stand on the shoulders of so many people who came before you. You mentioned some, Mark Bristow, you mentioned, uh, how about Ed Roberts and, uh, and, uh, and of course, Justin Dart and, and uh, just so many, so many people. I, I start talking, I'll leave somebody out, but, uh, but uh, it was, it, it's been a great movement. And I'm just proud to have been a part of it. Well, you were an enormous part of it because you were key. You were key, and I want every person listening, and especially this should be in every history book, you were key in making this great piece of civil rights legislation a reality. And I wonder, could you talk about your work since this month we are celebrating the ADA and why it is so historic? Well, Joyce, it, it, it's historic because um, we moved away uh, with the Americans with Disabilities Act. We moved away from uh, sort of a, uh, a medical, social um, uh, definition of disability to a civil rights definition that uh, that. Um, that uh, disability is a n- normal part of of living. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, uh, and, and as such, we should make sure that society uh, is, uh, uh, is 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 attuned to this in a way that uh, that anyone with a disability should be able to have uh, all of the accessibility to education, to transportation, to living, to jobs. Um, to being a full functioning member of our society and should not be discriminated against simply because someone has a disability. So we moved away from this sort of medical, social uh, concept to one of, of, a, of an inclusionary concept. And we had so many hearings. I remember back in the 80s, uh, all the hearings we had, the stories of individuals, uh, who couldn't cross the street because there were no curb cuts, uh, uh, couldn't enter a building because there was no nothing other than stairs, and sometimes they'd have to either climb up the stairs in their hands and knees or that they couldn't get access to things simply because of, of staircases or uh, couldn't get on buses. Uh, people say, well, I can remember one, especially one, uh, Joyce, where we were talking about making accessibility to places like theaters. I remember we had this one witness I won't, uh, from up on the East Coast someplace around Boston, I believe it was, and said, gee, he says, you know, I, I put in special places in my theater for people with disabilities, but they don't show up, so I've wasted my space. Well, I said to him, I said, are you near a bus stop? <laughs> and he said, well, yeah. And I said, well, are the buses accessible? Well, he didn't know the answer to that. And I said, well, you know, it's one thing, but... How are people going to get to your theater if the buses aren't stopping there and if they don't have accessible buses? Oh, see, so it's a whole system. The whole system needed to be changed. And that's what we did with the Americans with Disabilities Act. I always tell people that there were, there were four goals of the ADA. Equal opportunity, 
full participation, number two. Number three, independent living. Number four, economic self-sufficiency. So in the last uh, 20 years now, we've made some pretty good progress. Uh, Streets, for example, uh, buildings, sports arenas, transportation systems are much more accessible. Uh, Information is offered in alternative formats um, because of the requirement of reasonable accommodations, employment provisions uh, have been better, although I, I want to talk a little bit about that because the one dismaying thing now is how many people with disabilities are still out of work. But I think one of the, the, the major thing, one of the major accomplishments of the ADA has been the change in attitudes toward people with disabilities. Um, the expectation uh, now is that we will do what it takes to give individuals with disabilities not just physical access, but equal opportunity in our schools, in all areas of our economy and our society. Um, Of course, this has gone hand-in-glove with IDEA, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act also. But uh, uh, I just see a much more accepting, open society. uh, uh, But the one thing we've got to tackle, Joyce, is we've got to tackle the employment problem. Yes, and and it I know how much that bothers you um because you know being that you were involved in uh getting the ADA and getting it uh you know passed and as you mentioned seeing all these great changes um but that's one that did not happen and and it is shameful and I know you just spoke this April you spoke at the US Chamber of Commerce um, and I'm sure everyone was shocked to hear some of the things that you talked about. And I don't know how this can be possible after 20 years, but I thought you could talk about that for a few minutes. Well, uh, what I talked to the U.S. Chamber about was the fact that 20 years after the ADA, when one of our goals, as we said, was economic self-sufficiency, that two-thirds, two-thirds of people with disabilities who want to work and who can work, are unemployed. I mean, this is shocking. I mean, you know, we see the unemployment figures for all of America. Now we say, well, it's 9% unemployment. That's that's, that's very high. But with people with disabilities, you're talking about over 60% unemployment. And during the recent downturn, people with disabilities left the workplace at six times the rate of people without disabilities. Uh, This is just, again, this is unconscionable. And so as the economy starts to improve, which we hope it will and trust that it will start to improve, uh, we can't, we just can't stand by and let people with disabilities to be the last hired. They have to be right in line with the first hired. And uh, and uh, quite frankly, that means that uh, we have to make sure we have, uh, as I said, reasonable accommodations, which is required under ADA, um, and to make sure that uh, we set out some goals. Uh, I, uh, I challenged. I challenged the employer representatives there at the Chamber of Commerce when I was there in April. I said, we should increase our disability labor force to 6 million by 2015. That would be a 20% increase from 5 million to 6 million. I don't think that's 
too little or too much to add to. That's not too much to ask, considering that 60% are out of work. Well, I will say this, that in the, uh, in the uh, publication of the Chamber of Commerce, uh, Mr. Donahue, who is the head of the Chamber of Commerce, endorsed the goal, encouraged his colleagues to meet or exceed the $6 million number because he said, quote, it's a good thing to do and it's good for business. So this is one time where I applaud the Chamber of Commerce for stepping up and saying that we've, we've got to do a better job here. Yes, I mean, it is shocking when you think about it that, you know, all these years, and, and this hasn't happened, and that's why Senator Harkin, you know, we're so proud to have you fighting for us because what would happen if we didn't? Yeah. All I know is every time I go to any disability function, I see a senator there, and his name's Tom Harkin. So I know we have you, thank God, out there fighting for us. And you made this challenge. Apparently, you think that the people reacted pretty good? Uh, at the chamber? Yes. Yeah, I think so, very much so. I thought there was, it was a good response and a good reaction, um, because now we've got some examples out there. Um, uh, Randy Lewis. Uh, this is a, the, a senior vice president for Walgreens, Walgreens Drugstores. He testified before my committee in March uh, and about what they were doing. And because they set firm goals, they announced uh, a couple of years ago a goal that 10% of the workers in their distribution centers nationwide would be people with disabilities by 2010. Well, Last summer, they decided they would double that goal to 20% in the coming years. So they set specific goals for hiring people with disabilities, and they've done that, and they've shown, and this is something I know from my own brother who was disabled and, and how much he had worked and how well he had performed in his job, that, that employers find that when they hire people with disabilities, these workers are often the most exemplary of their workers. They never miss work. They show up on time. They're very productive. They're loyal. All they need is an opportunity, uh, some cases a reasonable accommodation, and uh, they can do a job as well as and many times better than someone who doesn't have a disability. So, we're getting these examples. I mentioned Walgreens. Uh, CSC is another one uh, that's doing that. They set a public goal of hiring 100 workers with disabilities for, for their information uh, technology. Uh, and I think they're working with you, if I'm not mistaken, Joyce. That's right. Yes, and I mean, too bad we don't have a lot of companies doing that. Well, but we're starting, and, and I think we can grow. I know that uh, I met with people from Lowe's, uh, uh, and uh, uh, there are other uh, companies out there. Uh, we need to start also focusing on small businesses uh, to get them also involved. Uh, but I, you know, the, what we need to do is get these companies uh, to set these goals. And I think as as we get more examples like like what Walgreens have done and CSC and others. Uh, It'll have a spillover effect. We'll get more people involved uh, in hiring. You know, it's just a shame, 20 years after the ADA, that we have this situation of this high rate of unemployment. Now, a lot of times people ask me, Joyce, well, how come? Well, <laughs> after the ADA passed in 
1991. Uh, then there was some years to get it implemented, right? So we went through 92, 3, 4, 5, 6, getting different things implemented. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the Supreme Court of the United States started making some bad decisions. You know what I mean by that. Jim. Yes, I do. We had the Sutton case, uh, the Toyota case. There were about there were three cases there in the late 90s that kind of stopped us dead in our tracks in terms of employment for people with disabilities. And so it kind of became a jumbled mess. And so we started to work here uh, in the um, after 2001 or two to to get legislation to overturn the Supreme Court decisions. Well, it took us what five, six years. I think it was 2008. We finally got the legislation passed and uh, and signed into law that overturned those Supreme Court decisions. So it wasn't really until almost 2009 that we got back on track um, with employment, uh, with uh, focusing on employment under the ADA. We just had about almost 10 years there where it was, uh, uh, there was a real problem because of those Supreme Court cases. So I just, I thought I'd mention that because a lot of people wonder, well, how come 20 years? Well, about about 10 years of that was because of the we just lost because of the Supreme Court, and then there was a few years of implementation before that. But that's all behind us, and that's why now is the right time when the economy is down but it's starting to come back to make sure that as our economy comes back, as I said earlier, Joyce, that people with disabilities, and that's where your consulting services can be so helpful, is to make sure they're not in the back row, but they're in the front row when the rehiring starts. That's right. And I'll, I'll tell you, Senator Harkin, he had a symposium in D.C., and he has reached out, just as he told you, with the Chamber and with Walgreen and CSC. He's meeting with CEOs across America that are hiring with people with disabilities to really try to advance this. He met with Greg Babe, the CEO of Bear. He met with Pat Hemingway Hall from Healthcare Services Corporation. Mm-hmm. He will be meeting with Mike Lappin from CSC and Ken Milani from Highmark. And as he already told you, he met with Randy Lewis right. and he met with Clark Shoe Company. And uh, he just keeps going out there meeting people, you know, with open arms to find out what do we need to do to change this. That's why I said thank God that we have him. And I'm sure because of you, uh, Senator Harkin, there was great influence. Uh, it was so wonderful last year at the 20th anniversary to see what President Obama did when he signed the executive order to increase the employment of people with disabilities in the federal government. What, what did you think about that when he did that? Oh, that was, that was uh, well, you know what I think, Joyce? It was a good start. <laughs> It's a good start. He took an important step. I, I mean, he, President Obama, uh, last July, uh, to make sure that the federal government leads by example. As you said, um, uh, his executive order says we'll hire 100,000 additional workers with disabilities by 2015. Uh, and that is a great goal, and we're going to meet that goal. But let's remember the federal government represents less than 2.5% of the entire U.S. workforce. Mm-hmm. So what we need to do, Joyce, is get our states. We need every legislator, every governor of every state to sign a declaration in 
his or her state, that their state's going to hire additional workers with disabilities and get our county governments and our local governments to do the same thing. And then, of course, the private sector, which, of course, is the largest group. But uh, I think President Obama set a great example. I hope that governors now will take that up, as I said, and people at the local level, uh, and and get them to make that uh, get them to make that same commitment. So I, I thought President Obama did a good thing in signing that executive order. And so did I. And I I think we have a caller on the line. Um, go ahead, caller. Hello. Hello. Hi, Sandy Panukin with the Epilepsy Foundation. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi, Sandy. Hi, Sandy. How are you? Are you fine? Hi. How are you, Senator? Yes, wonderful. Good. Um, first of all, I want to thank you for all you do for people with uh, epilepsy and other disabilities and all you've always done. You're there countlessly just always remembering what the issues are that people with disabilities face, and, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Well, Sandy, you're trying to say that, but I also want to say I have a great staff, and I've always had really great staff that uh, that uh, keep focused on this. Uh, uh, many of you know Andy Imperato, who worked with yep. me a long time ago, then left me to start the American Association of People with Disabilities. He's left that, now he's come back on staff, so he's back here again. And uh, I just have... I've always had really, and Lee personally, I've, I've always had really good people on board to uh, keep us focused. Well, it, well, the leadership comes from you, so thank you for that as well. And I know I've gone on to see many of those people work in many ways. I had had the pleasure of working with Katie Corrigan recently on something else, and well, I know she got her start with you too. So. Well, she got her start here too. That's yeah, exactly yeah, right. The world's filled with those wonderful people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to ask you, I was very struck in the Washington Post had an ad in the, um, on Monday from the National Federation for the Blind, and it was calling upon people, it was a very noticeable ad, calling on people to oppose the the um, Workforce Investment Act because it continued to allow sub-minimum wage um, for certain groups. And I wanted to know, I mean, I was just, first of all, struck by it, a uh, powerfully done um, ad, but also what is your response to that? Do you... Well, uh, I, I had spoken with Mr. Maurer, the head of the National Federation of Blind, a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I thought we had worked out <laughs> uh, this agreement. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes you have to uh, take a step at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we have in the Workforce Investment Act that we hope we'll have here before the Senate shortly. I worked very hard to get some provisions in there that will move um, young people who are entering, who are going through school, to voc, uh, that voc rehab will work with them so that that they won't just be shuttled into sub-minimum wage jobs, mm-hmm. which is so often the well, that's so often the case now. Mm-hmm. They go through school first of all. They don't have high expectations. People don't expect them to do well. Uh, they always they, they suffer from this low expectations. They aren't given a big enough boost, and they aren't told and said, "Hey, you've got to go out and do. You've got to see if you can do uh, 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 competitive employment." 
uh, in the market, marketplace uh, employment. So we changed that in the Work, Workforce Investment Act, and I explained this to the National Federation of the Blind, that no longer will people just be shunted into these uh, occupations uh, that will be uh, sub-minimum wage, but they will, they will have to, at first, tried competitive employment. And uh, uh, only, only with the consent of the person with the disability and their, uh, uh, it, it, you know, it could be their parents or a guardian or whoever, if it's a very severe case, that only with their consent would they then be able to go into um, sub-minimum wage. So I think that we have basically responded to that uh, in a very meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't change it overnight, but I believe that with Voc Rehab now working with young people, and I, I, I use the term giving them a kick in the pants. You know mm-hmm. what? Kids with disabilities, we got to expect high things of them too. And we had to demand high things of people with disabilities. You know, uh, mm-hmm. they had a demand of us accessibility, uh, accommodations, uh, and uh, equal opportunity, educational opportunity. Yes, but that's the civil rights aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But we had a demand of them. Okay, we want to expect big things out of you, too. And, uh, and we want you to go out there and, and, uh, and we'll, give you the, we'll get the training. We'll make sure that we have the training necessary. But we want you to go out there employment first. Mm-hmm. So that's where we are. And hopefully we'll have the Workforce Investment Act passed, uh, hopefully, sometime this year. Now, I'm just sorry that the National Federation of the Blind felt that way because mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, I, I think that where we're going is where they want us to go. Mm-hmm. So, so it's certainly an improvement over the status quo in the in the legislation. So now we're moving um, we're moving off the situation where we are currently. Then, is what exactly. you're suggesting, and that's exactly. the approach exactly. that you felt was viable, something that we could move with. I I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something that we can do, and 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 it's it's moving us forward. And um, uh, like I said, I. I mean, they yeah. want me to snap my fingers and end all sub-minimum wage right now. I, I mean, if I lived in a perfect world and if I was a dictator, maybe I could do that. But I live in a real world where i got to get votes around this place, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, it's just like the Americans with Disabilities Act. There were, again, things that we wanted to put in there. But, well, we had to have a, I wanted a bipartisan bill. I didn't want this to be in any way a partisan measure. Uh, and I don't want this either, the, 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 the uh, use of uh, some minimum wage thing. I don't want that to get partisan either. I want that to be a bipartisan approach that leads to a, uh, in a very short order of time, uh, to where uh, people with disabilities will be expected that they will be in competitive employment and not in any kind of what they call covered employment. Well, thank well, you for th- that clarification. Thank you. And Senator. thank you, Sandy, for calling in. Thanks very much, Sandy. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. Before we take the next caller, I just want to say one thing about that. At that symposium that I referred to, Senator Harkin did 
bring this out and did have a discussion for the entire disability community and has stood up against the turkey farm in Iowa that so upset him and that he did take a stand on this. So as he said, you know, it takes a long time to turn a big ship, but he is he is working to turn it. So I just wanted to point that out. And I think we already have another caller on the line. Go ahead, caller. Hello, this is Tom. Who we, who we got up? I'm waiting. I don't. I, I know he's holding. Uh, well, okay. Until he gets back on. Hello. Hello. This this is Tony Coelho. Oh, Tony Coelho. Hello. Hello. I just wanted to another one say, of our heroes. And well, I just wanted to say how much Tom you've done for the disability community. Make sure all Joyce's listeners know how much you've done for the last twenty some years. On uh, for the disability community, and continue to do. You just keep working away and making a huge difference for those in the disability community. And I, for one, one wanted to thank you and say how much I love you for all that you've done for for all of us. So um, that's all I wanted to call in and say. And I appreciate you and love you for it. Well, now, Tony, now don't you get away with that? Now, I hope everyone recognizes. As I said to Joyce earlier, a lot of times. I get accolades for this and that. I guess it's because I'm still here and have been working on it. But when we passed that ADA, there wasn't there – was, you talk about all the people that worked hard. I don't know of anyone that worked harder than Tony Coelho, who, who brought a real-life example. Tony, when you were in the House of Representatives and the story of your life and what had happened to you and how you were discriminated against because you had epilepsy, I'm telling you, it, it just – and you were so well-loved when you were here. And people said, my God, I mean, you were discriminated against here. You're a congressman. You're a, a forceful member of the U.S. House, our government. Uh, you should never have been discriminated against. And I think that really brought home to a lot of people uh, that that uh, that discrimination against people with disabilities is, is uh, it, it would cheat us, cheat us out of so many people with abilities. And, Tony, you were one of those. And so... I've stood on your shoulders for a long time, and I just uh, appreciate everything that you've done all your lifetime uh, to to pave the way for more people with disabilities so they can have a more meaningful life. Well, thank you, Tom. I appreciate that. It's very nice. I I remember the first time I testified over in the Senate side, and, and uh, you were there. And I remember uh, what Senator Hatch said when he after I testified, and uh, he. He had tears in his eyes, and he said, you'll remember this, he said, uh, and my church is an angel of God, and I will support this bill because of that. It was a very emotional time for me, and and uh, that was after I told my story. So the story did have an impact, but uh, you have worked tirelessly uh, on ADA, ADA Amendments Act, uh, and all these other pieces of legislation. Uh, because you experienced real life experience with your brother and uh, and so forth, but you've mm-hmm. been tirelessly uh, making a difference, and we love you for that. So, well, Tony, I tell you, I love you too. Uh, you've just been a wonderful friend over all these years, and uh, and again, just an example for all of us uh, in terms of commitment and just never giving up. So, God Thank bless you, you Tony. I love you. Thank you. Thank you, Joyce. 
Thanks, Tony. Thanks for calling in. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye, Tony. Well, you know what? That just says it all about Senator Harkins, admired by everyone. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's been a long time that you all have worked on this, and thank goodness you didn't give up, or what would happen, I don't know. Uh, Just as you said, you know, it's hard to take it that it's sometimes just discrimination, you know, against people with disabilities. And um, people need to see that we have ability and and that... There's so much that we can do, and I think you're helping us do that, Senator Harkin. Well, thanks, Joyce. Well, we just can't give up. we just got to keep moving ahead. Well, Senator Harkin, what changes do you think we could make, for example, with SSI and Medicare as that relates to the employment of people with disabilities? Well, now it's interesting you bring that up because that that issue of, of disability benefits came up at our hearing just last week. Uh, we heard from a, a number of people that uh, that we got to modernize our disability benefit programs so that we don't require people to prove that they can't work in order to be eligible for the supports they need to live independently. I mean, this is just nonsense, you know. Yeah, yeah terrible. It's just awful, you know. And so uh, there's just there's there's just no reason to force people to say, well, they cannot work in order to establish the severity of their disability and their eligibility for supports. So I've asked my staff, Andy and others, to come up with some proposals to modernize the benefit programs so that, again, that they help people participate fully in the lives of their communities, including the workplace, and then we don't punish people for working, earning, and saving money. I mean, you know, here's, it's, it's the old thing, you know, you, a person with a disability goes to work, they earn money, they save a little bit, then they get their benefits cut. And yet they may need those benefits for the extra support that they require, living arrangements, uh, that type of thing, and yet we cut their benefits. Or, or they lose their medical benefits. I mean, it's just very counterproductive uh, what we do for what we do to people who uh, get SSI or Medicare, and how it relates to their employment uh, possibilities. So we're, believe me, we heard a lot at that hearing last week, and uh, and uh, we're moving ahead to to change some of those, so that you could still get your benefits, and you don't have to declare you absolutely cannot work <laughs> in order to get those benefits. People ought to be able to work and still get the support they need. Right. Yes, that's right. It shouldn't be a disincentive. It should be an incentive. Exactly. And you, you got and it. That, that's how it should be. Right, Senator Harkin? That's exactly right. It ought to be an incentive and not a, not a disincentive, which it is now. Yes, it is. And, you know, I want to say something else. When you said earlier about our expectations about young people with disabilities, that is true. We should not lower the bar. We want to raise the bar because I'm living with disabilities, and many people listening to the show are right now. And what we all love about you is you don't pity us. You you don't pity us, and we don't want to be pitied. We want to be treated equally uh, no matter what. And when in schools, when they lower the bar, that does not help young people with disabilities. That does not. So I'm really glad that you pointed that out when you were talking earlier. You know, I, I'm glad you brought that up, Joyce, because I can, you know, I had two individuals in my life, my brother who's 
was disabled. He's now passed on. Uh, and my nephew, who's quadriplegic. And in both cases, uh, when we were working on the ADA, uh, I, I, in both cases they said, well, you know, we, we don't want pity. We want accessibility. We want to work. We want to go to school. Um, but I can't tell you how many times I heard people when we were working on the ADA said, oh, how they, oh, just... You know, this is a pity and this and that. And, and I said, wait a minute, we're trying to get away from that. You know, I want inclusion. I want people to live independently. I want them to be out there working and having families and doing all the things that anybody else does. I said, that doesn't have anything to do with pity. It has to do with civil rights and making sure people have their rights. So uh, that's why I, I said, look, I'm... I, 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 can, I, I try uh, as I, hard as I can to put myself in so-called the shoes of others, and I say, what would I want if I were there? Do I want pity? No. I want to be able to work. I want to be able to live my life. I want to be able to make my own decisions. I want to live with whom I want to live, not where somebody tells me i got to live. You know, I, to me, that's, that's what this is all about. That's right. Independence. And I think we have another caller on the line. Uh, go ahead, caller. Hi, this is Jane McGough with CLC. How are you? Hey, Janie, how are you doing? Who are you got? It's Jenna. Hi, this is Tom. I'm sorry. And this, who is this? Jane McGough. Oh, yeah. Hi. Hi, how are you? Okay. Um, I work for CSC. You support for Joyce. And I just wanted to make a comment about your policy on disability benefits. My husband um, worked two and a half years to get his. And I can agree more with your um, your thought in having to prove that he can't work. Because he's going to work. And um, it just makes no sense. You're right. I appreciate you hey, calling Joyce, saying Joyce, that because, boy, it's Tom. great to hear from someone living it. I mean, hey, Joyce. I'll, hey, yes. this, this is Tom, and I, it was so soft I couldn't hear. She was saying that uh, her husband went through this whole ordeal that you were talking about with benef- you know, with the benefits situation, oh. and, and he wanted to work. He went through that thing you talked about. Oh, yeah. And now well. he, he's just like you can go back to school because... You could say they'll take his benefits away. He's afraid they're going to take his benefits away. He wants to work, but he's afraid they'll take away his benefits. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's why we've got to change this system very soon, and uh, we're working on it right now. And hopefully, we'll have some proposals to get that changed uh, in in hopefully as soon as possible. You know, Jane, I haven't talked to you for quite a while, but um, I really, really appreciate you calling in because that just uh, reinforces everything Senator Harkin is talking about. So thank you, and you keep up the good work. Thank you, Joyce. Bye-bye. Bye. See, Senator Harkin, there's a real-life example right there. Real-life example. And yeah, and she worked. I hired her so long ago. Whenever she first called, I, I didn't realize who it was. And then when she gave that example about her husband, you know, here's someone that wants to work, afraid to work because they'll lose their benefits. That's right. Uh, ju- just exactly what you were saying. That's, and as you point out, that's the disincentive. Mm-hmm. We yeah. don't want that. We want, we want it to be an incentive. And so, yeah. 
uh, listen, we're 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 on this, and we're gonna we're gonna have some proposals here pretty soon to to really try to make a change and to fix that. Yes, and I know you have so many great people that work for you. I've met them, and I mean they're all great. And of course, I know Andy well, and I know he's a uh, you know, just a great person and really knows a lot about this, as many of your staff do. So I know you won't give up on it. But I did have a question I wanted to ask you, Senator Harkin, that I never had a chance to ask you before uh, in person. So instead I'm going to ask you on the air on the radio. Oh, right. that, and that is I've always wondered uh, what politician had the biggest impact on you because to me you are just the living example of a great statesman you know a great person everyone else looks up to i'm sure but who had that impact on you well now that's an interesting question um i think the politician that had the greatest impact on my life was someone i never met and that was franklin roosevelt Mm-hmm. President Roosevelt, and as I read about him and what he accomplished, and yet here was, I think one of our probably one of our three greatest presidents, and here was a person stricken by polio when he was thirty-nine years old, and people said his life was done. Uh, he couldn't go on. Uh, he, uh, all the thoughts he had of being a successful politician were over with. Uh, and yet, look what happened. He pulled himself up and got elected governor of New York. And of course, as we know, got elected president of the United States four times. And here was a person with a disability. He never walked again without assistance uh, from his sons. Uh, and yet, he helped change America uh, profoundly. Um, I, I'll never, I'll never forget the, his words about. It. He said that, that the that the measure, the measure of our progress, is not whether we can add much to those who already have an abundance. The measure of our progress is whether we can add to those who have too little. Hmm. To me, that's what we should be about. And uh, and when you think about all the things that Roosevelt did to help make life better for others, I I have on the wall of my office, Choice, my father's WPA card. That's the Work wow. Progress Administration where mm-hmm. people who were unemployed, my father only had a sixth grade education, and yet... And he had a family to feed and, and no jobs. And, and Roosevelt started this great infrastructure project and hired people to work on it. And my father worked on it. And because of that, our family stayed together. Um, uh, you know, and just, well, that's just one example. And all of the things that President Roosevelt did to make our society a more just and caring society and a more open society. Um, let me tell you one other story. We have a we have a uh, we finally got a, a, a monument here in Washington D.C. to Franklin Roosevelt. It's down here, um, in Southwest Washington, and it's an open monument. You walk around and you see all the different facets of 
Franklin Roosevelt's four terms as president. Well, they, they built it. And I went down and walked through it. And um, we had a dedication. They had a big dedication. President Clinton came down to dedicate it. And I walked through, and there wasn't one thing in there that depicted the fact that Franklin Roosevelt had a disability. Nothing. Nothing. So I went to work on the commission and started raising Cain about this, and I got some other people involved, and we said there ought to be something in there to show that he had a disability. Well, this went round and round year after year, and some of the people that were on the commission were opposed to adding anything. Some were for it. And the Roosevelt family was kind of split. Some were for it. Some were against it. And I remember I was called downtown Washington to appear before the committee, the commission that, that designed this. And the architect, the person who designed it, was there. And they asked me to speak on this issue. And I went down, and I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was something along the lines that you're doing a disservice to people without disabilities by not showing how much Franklin Roosevelt as an individual had to overcome with his disability in order to live his life. And you're also doing a disservice to people with disabilities who need to see the possibilities that they too can achieve. So it's not just putting something in there to show he has a disability to 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 to, 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 to uh, be of some something for people with disabilities, but for people without disabilities also. And I said, I mean, you know, when you think about all the things he did, think about everything he had to overcome in his daily life just to live, to get out of bed in the morning, to take a bath, to go to the bathroom, to get on a ship, to go overseas, to meet with Churchill, all the things that he had to do to overcome his disability. But he did it. And I said, it had to show his courage. And I said, this can appeal to both people with disabilities and people without disabilities. Well, I think I made a pretty good case because they voted to put a statue in there. And so when you come into the Franklin Roosevelt Monument down here now, the first thing you see is a statue of Franklin Roosevelt sitting in a wheelchair. And he's got his head kind of cocked up very, very uh, positively moving forward. And that's the first thing you see, so that everything you see after that, you keep in mind, he did it all from his wheelchair. Yeah, that is so great. You know what I say, Senator Harkin? People don't even realize that. They forget about that. Can you imagine now, we cannot get a person in a wheelchair, a low-level job, yet one of the greatest presidents of all time was in a wheelchair. That's exactly right. Uh, I mean, how shocking would it be if we would say, you know, oh, look, we're going to have someone in the office and they're in a wheelchair. People would say, what? What are you talking about? Well, he was. So if you can run the United States from a wheelchair, we know you can be an accountant or an entry-level IT person in a wheelchair. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and of course, we're much more accessible today with transportation and and, you know, another thing that, 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 that we did with the ADA, you know, every building built in America today is fully accessible. So we've changed the architecture for universal design. Uh, 
uh, wider doors, uh, doors with those things you can hit and the doors open automatically, and and uh, and uh, restrooms that are uh, that are accessible. Uh, it's really uh, it really has changed the architecture of America. It has, Senator Harkin, and you know I've met many young people with disabilities who they also want to be a public servant. What, mm-hmm. what advice would you have for them? Well, I would say look at Congressman Jim Langevin mm-hmm. from Rhode Island. Here is someone who uses a wheelchair. Um, I think he's probably almost quadriplegic, but he's a fully functioning member of the United States Congress. Does very well, too. Very smart guy and gets the job done. So here he is, a congressman. So there's a lot of examples like that. I mean, there's former Senator Dole, Senator Inouye, uh, a lot of examples like this. And so I would say to a young person who's contemplating public service, go for it. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do it. And don't well, think you just and, and don't think you just got to take some low level job. Run for public office. We have more and more people in this country now uh, running for public office, getting into school boards, getting into um, uh, local elected offices, people with disabilities, and 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 that's good because they can they can bring to a school board, for example, uh, the kind of uh, insight that too often is missing from school boards or boards of supervisors and counties and things like that. Well, you know, Senator Harkin, look at everything you've done. It's unbelievable. You, I mean, you have accomplished so much in your life. I know that that state of Iowa must be so proud, but so, so are all the millions and millions of Americans with disabilities across the United States, and then, of course, those without who just admire everything you've done. But if you had to choose one thing as your proudest accomplishment, what would that be? Well, I, I've said many times, Joyce, on that day when that Americans with Disabilities Act was signed into law uh, 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 21 years ago, it was the proudest day of my life, without a doubt. It is... It is um, it is uh, it's the one thing that I I look upon as uh, as something that was accomplished. But I always have to keep in mind I didn't do it by myself. I did it because we had people like Joyce Bender out there and Tony Coelho and and uh, and yes Bob Dole and we had uh, Justin Darts and the Ed Roberts and on and on. There were so many people out there and uh, I as I said I just happened to be in the right place at the right time and. We had a good army together, and, and we moved it. So, uh, to me, this is, uh, to me, this is, uh, I think, probably one of the best things I've ever done. And I, and I'm just glad I had such good people to work with. Well, we're glad that we have you. And listen, if you're listening to this show, some of you may be thinking, "Oh, sure, you know, politician, they say this." Well, let me tell you, he walks the talk. I have seen him. At so many events, just like the rally the other day for Nickel, and there he is, stops and talks to anyone with a disability that's wanting to talk to them with a big smile on his face and makes you feel important, you know, doesn't make you feel like, boy, I'm a senator and you're this uh, little peon. I mean, really, 
he is like that. He talks to people, no media there, no press, and he still talks to everyone and fights for us. And Senator Harkin, I mean it. We really thank you and love you for everything you do. Well, Joyce, you're very kind. You're overly generous. Uh, let me just leave you with this and all your listeners. Uh, wintering a new uh, presidential election cycle, I'm not giving a pitch one way or the other. I mean, we've always been bipartisan in this, but here's what I want to say to all your listeners. Don't take a back seat. Register. Vote. Get out and campaign and, 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 and let people know what your issues are. And, and, and when, when, when people who are running for office show up and they have a rally or they have a town meeting or something, don't sit in the back and get up in front. And ask them these tough questions about SSI, for example, about changing the disincentive to an incentive, about making sure that we have more employment of people with disabilities and what are they going to do once they're in office to make sure it happens. Push these issues. Don't, uh, just don't take a back seat. Get involved in the politics of this country. Well, thank you. And you know what, Senator? We end every show with a quote from a famous civil rights leader. And, of course, the month of July, it has to be Senator Tom Harkin, who just said recently at the chamber, it is time for Americans with disabilities to experience the dignity that comes with a paycheck. Isn't that the truth? Thank you so much, Senator Harkin. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Well, Joyce, thank you. It's a great opportunity, and thank all your listeners. And uh, as you know, uh, my uh, I have a website at harkin.senate.gov. I invite anyone to come on that website, send me your thoughts, your suggestions, uh, criticisms, whatever. I'm not above taking criticism. So if anybody's got some things that they want to tell me, just come right on that website and let me know. All right, Senator. Thank you. And this is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. See you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.